Kirby Anderson of Probe Ministries wrote a white paper back in, excuse me, in 1991. It was entitled The Decline of a Nation. Uh, his thesis that civilizations rise and fall on the strength of the family unit. It's, it's extremely relevant even today. It, uh, it is built upon decades of research, by the way, of academics across multiple disciplines, what, uh, what he, his thesis remains. He says this, quote, uh, In his book, Our Dance Has Turned to Death, Carl Wilson identifies the common pattern of family decline in ancient Greece in the Roman Empire. Now, I want you to track with me on, on these stages, and, and th- these come in various forms. You've seen them over the years. Uh, track with me because what, what I'm saying here is this is not a hypothesis that we're going to try and set out to prove. This is the historical record. Th- this is what happened, uh, is happening, and, and has happened <laughs> over millennia in various cultures around the globe. Here are the stages, the uh, common pattern of family decline. Six stages. In the first stage, men cease to lead their families in worship. Spiritual and moral development becomes secondary. In the second stage, men neglect their wives and children to pursue material wealth, political and military power, and cultural development. In the third stage, a change occurs in men's sexual values. Preoccupied with business or war or development... They become promiscuous, perverted in sexual practice. There's a fourth stage. And here the role of women at home with children loses value and status. Women seek freedom outside the home. The fifth stage. Husbands and wives compete against each other for money, home leadership, and the affection of children. In the sixth stage, individualism becomes the highest value, fragmenting society into smaller and smaller group loyalties. And finally, unbelief in God becomes more complete. Interesting to note this, parental authority is diminished and ethical and moral principles disappear. Thus, internally, you see, not externally, internally, a civilization collapses upon itself. I believe the Apostle Paul would concur with this, uh, not because marriage and family are a cultural phenomenon, nor because they are a product of evolutionary development, because he would show us and say, even as he does here from Genesis to Revelation, that, that marriage and family are ordained of God who created them and who designed them for his very purposes. In our study through the book of Ephesians, we've come to this section that's known as the household codes. That's how we refer to this. Chapter 5, verse 22, through chapter 6, verse 9. The household codes. He's going to address marriage, husband, wife. He's going to address parent, child. He's going to address masters and slaves. We have looked in the last two weeks at 22 to 33... Uh, Michael took that topic in that section and said, Here, here's the focus upon wives. And then Dr. Bill Brown took it and said, here's the focus upon husbands. I can't encourage you enough. You know, I, I'm not just saying this to say it. I'm saying it because I mean it. If you missed it, you need, I'd encourage you to watch it. I don't think you'll find a, in 32 minutes a clearer, more compassionate, biblical explanation and exhortation of, of what it means 
to be submissive and what it means that the husband is the head of the home and what it means for a husband and wife to live out God's design. Well, today we're going to pick up a very short section on children and dad, children and parents, but the focus upon the father. As we read these four verses, here's what I want to encourage you to place in your mind. Um, You know, let's read these and understand it's not just about a happy home. It's not just that, you see. Take what I just read a moment ago and understand it's about a society sustaining itself upon the very fabric of home life. There's a lot at stake in these verses. Would you stand one more time uh, briefly? We'll stand as we read God's word. This is his word to us today through the pen of the Apostle Paul. Follow along in your Bibles as I read chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible from which we study. Paul says to us, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers... Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Father, we bow before you, our Heavenly Father, to ask that in these moments by your Spirit, we might see that the eyes of our hearts may be opened to not just understand, but be changed by the very power of your word, the work of your spirit in us. In this area of home, family, fatherhood, we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. Well, it's it's really straightforward, isn't it? In verses 1 to 3, he gives us the responsibility of children. And all the parents are smiling, you know, give it to them, Lloyd, you know. And, and then in verse 4, he gives the responsibility of dad. Uh, we'll take it in those two orders. Verse 1, children, obey your, parents, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Let me be as clear and direct as Paul is. There is absolutely no question, there's no fuzziness, there's no ambiguity about, I mean, what does obey mean? You know, what does it mean? It, it means, it's the Greek word that means do what your mom and dad say. That's literally what it is. It's to follow their instructions. Uh, it, it is clearly, you know, the, the caveat being if, if you, you, you'd never do what your mom and dad tell you to do if it's evil, if it's wrong. There's a higher Christian ethic. You do understand that. When we talk about children, we're talking about, you know, children who are in the home. I mean, that's what it would be here. That in the original, that's what it would be for us. You know, they stayed in the home longer then. Uh, than now, but it, it's, it's, it's children at home. And also you'll note that these children were sitting in church because he talks to them. So they were at church and they could, they could understand what the, the letter read. So children who understand, you know, they're, they're under, uh, your par- you're under your parents' home and authority. This is for you. He gives you three reasons to obey. The first one's not qu- right on the surface, but let me give you these three reasons to obey mom and dad. Uh, the first, he says, is 
uh, in, he says, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, it's not, the in the Lord's not referring to your parents. So, so, young people, it's not saying if your parents are Christians, then you obey. It's not saying that. If your, Christians aren't, if your parents aren't Christians, you still obey them. It's, it's talking to you. Because you're a Christian, obey your parents. That's what it's saying. It makes total sense because understand, Christ in you, okay, Christ in you, wills to obey mom and dad because that's his order. So that makes total sense and it's actually an expression of your Christian life, young man or young woman. There's a second reason Paul says obey mom and dad, and this is point blank. For this is right. Again, you know, this is not, it's not difficult. What does he mean it's right? He means this. If you were to take every civilization on the planet over all time, every culture, go to the, the, go to the jungles, go to the islands, go to the Antarctic, go wherever you want to go, and it is self-evident that it's right for children to obey mom and dad. It's just that's, it's, it's built into our image of God, you see. Every human being, every culture recognizes, hey, kids ought to obey mom and dad. It's right. And then there's a third reason he gives to obey, y'all. And it's tied to a promise or we could say, you know, reward. Notice he quotes the fifth commandment. Paul reminds you that obedience to parents carries this reward, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Now let's qualify this. It's not a point, it's not a blank check that says if you obey your mom and dad, you'll never get sick, you won't die early, and you'll be blessed. It's not that. They died early. Many children died early who obeyed their parents, etc. This is like a proverb. It's, it's, it's a reasonable truism, right? That if a home has children where they're obeying the parents, that home will be a very stable home. And that home will be around for a long time. That's what he's saying as he commands us and as he reminds them of the blessing of God. Now, he introduces the fifth commandment, and I'm not going to go into this today. To honor father and mother, and we can say this, while verse 1 is addressed to children at home, verse 2 invites everyone of us in the room into the, into the equation. To honor father and mother, which most certainly would, you know, to highly esteem your mom and dad. For those children at home, understand this, it means your obedience is not just in that you do it, but that you do it with a heart attitude that's honoring. See, it's twofold. For those of us who are adults, you know, we have our own children, honor mom and dad. Most certainly, I mean, it, it, it carries with it the weight of honoring them for our whole life in attitude and heart. And most certainly, I think we have a tremendous opportunity, by the way, if I can say this, for many of us, you know, my age and, and peers, you know, to honor our parents as they enter old age and it reverses and we care for them. Tremendous, great privilege and opportunity to live the gospel and honor our parents in that way. Well, how serious is God about children obeying parents? I mean, how, I mean really, how serious is he? Uh, li- listen to this in, in the greater details of the Ten Commandments, the greater details of the commandments in the Old Testament. In Exodus twenty-one fifteen, Moses is recording in greater detail this command, children, obey your parents. I mean, how, how do we live this out, Moses? Well, Moses tells them. 
He who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Really? Uh, Deuteronomy 21, 18 to 21. Listen to this. Here's, here's, this is Israel. If any man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother, then his father and mother shall seize him and bring him out to the elders of the city at the gate. Then all the men shall stone him to death. So you shall, this is a scary word here. He says, so you shall remove evil from your midst and all Israel will hear of it. I mean, how serious is God about children obeying their parents? I mean, life or death, serious. You got to just think of it this way. And, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, I could make light of this or whatever. It's kind of, you know, there's, you kind of read that and go, holy moly. I, I want to stay in the, the weight of it, though. You know, think of it, think of it this way, what I read earlier. The family unit is one imperceptible filament Okay? where obedience to parents holds. And you put all those filaments together. And that's what holds the culture together. And that's what holds the civilization together. You see, this is, this is why these little things matter. Think of it in terms of redemptive history. Let's stay in our, our Bible story. God promised to send a Messiah Genesis 3 in the fall. He promised to send a, 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 you know, a, a man born of a woman who will crush the serpent. He promised that. And how did he do that? Well, he did that through a nation. How important was it that the nation of Israel, men and women, nations come and go. But how important was it that the nation of Israel remain a nation? Well, our, save, our salvation depended on it. Redemptive history rests upon that nation remaining a nation. And so, kids, obey your parents. You see that? That's why such severe consequences there in the Old Testament. Let me, let me make it plain as I can, maybe in more in our day. I told you about my trip earlier in the summer with Darden, my son's 242 group, which is the small group that student ministry breaks down into, Acts 242 it's based on. And, uh, you know, ten boys, nine dads. Uh, these boys, many of them have been together since sixth grade. Bill Wester, Jerry Rooker have been leading those boys since sixth grade. And they wanted to end the whole thing with a trip to Colorado, which we did. And I shared with you a story about that earlier. So much fun. Well, let me share one more. We, we got there on a Sunday. And on Monday, we loaded up, drove two and a half hours to do our whitewater rafting adventure. And I know some of you have done this. It was fantastic. We were on Clear Creek. Um, just outside of Denver. It's one of the more narrow rivers. Uh, the, the snow melt, by the way, this spring was tremendously high. They had a lot of rain as well. And these rivers, many of them had restrictions placed on them where you couldn't float them because, you know, they were too dangerous. Well, ours was borderline, but, but the, you know, the outfit was able to take us out and put us on it. Well, when you go, you know, we split up. There's, you know, that, that, that many of us, we all split up into boats. There's six of us in a boat, two, two, two. And then right in the center in the back is the guide. When we got where we were getting ready to put into this creek, you're standing by the water. The water's just right there. And, and literally, it doesn't take a rocket science to look at that and go, that could kill you. I mean, it's just like unbelievable power. 
Well, they take, you know, they're kind of wacky, these guides, but they take it quite seriously. I mean, you know, life's in their hands. And so they give us instructions. Here's how you paddle. I mean, here's how you make the stroke with the paddle. Here's what you do on the right and left. And you literally practice it. And you just got to, they go, you got to listen to me. Here's what you do. If you fall out, this is what you do. Don't do this. If you do one thing, do this, etc. I mean, we literally practice, you know, here's what you do. If I, if I say right, right two forward, then you do two strokes forward. You don't do three and you don't do one. If I say left, back three, you left, left side, you go back three, you don't go back four. If I say all forward five, that means all forward five and stop. And he's, he's really intense on this and, and, and you're going, okay, you know, okay, we, that's what we'll do. And we had to practice it on dry land, you know, before we get out in this thing. Well, no sooner do we get in the water, I mean, we just pop in and literally within 25 yards, Dana McClendon, he's in the water, man. And he's a big man. And the guide, you know, reached down on this side. He's right. He reached out and just yanks him back up into the boat. And you realize, hey, this is, this is going to be a ride. I mean, we're going through stuff. It's, it, it's funny. The, 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 you know, they named the rapids. Some of you have guided and done this, you know. There's, there's guide ejector. That's the name of one hole, you know, you hit. And then there's hell's corner, you know, and there's corkscrew, all this stuff. Well, you know, our survival, let me say it this way. Our survival was not literally in his hands. I want to say it this way. I want to be careful when I say it. Not literally in his hands. Our survival was in our hands based on how obedient we were what he told us to do. And I tell you, when I go down this river, there were places where it seemed innocuous to me, but he would be telling us to do certain things. I'm thinking, well, let's just float away. And move to the right. And then we would hit these, I'm, I'm talking, I don't want to over exaggerate, but certainly four foot dips, maybe five that whack, go down or whatever. And he'd, he'd be lining us up. I mean, I have no idea, but he knew exactly how we need to angle. And then it's like he knew when to accelerate because, you know, everything in you is going, oh, 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 and he's going forward five, <laughs> you know, and you're going into this thing. And we just had the time of our life. It was unbelievable. That was Monday. On Thursday, we're going on a day out, and of course, guys are still checking, checking mails and stuff and, and watching news. Do you know on Thursday, on that strip of, on that strip of river, Two grown men killed. And then I, I, looked, I was looking recently during, between Memorial Day and June 15th, eight people died on those rivers. Two on the one we were on, on the literal, the strip of river that we were on. Now, I say that to you to say this to every young man and young woman in the, young woman in the room. Your mom and dad have been down the river. I know you don't think they have sometimes. I know you're going, why are we doing this? It looks easy to me. I'm just telling you, they've been down the river. And when they tell you two forward, left, three back, it's not for them, it's for you. So that you, not, not, not just that you'll survive, my gosh, we're not, I'm not raising my kids just so survive. I'm, I'm raising them so they'll have the ride of their life on this journey called life. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. It's right. It's good. And in many ways, can I say this, your life does depend on it. 
Now he goes on. Let's pick up this last verse. Verse 4. Looks to dads. Verse 4. Fathers... Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let me say that Paul's words here are so countercultural, it's shocking. I mean, the original audience, even when I, I, I got to believe, when they read it, it's like, what did he just say? And I say this because a Roman father, listen to this, this is hard to believe, it's a fact. He had the legal right. Under the, the legal law, it's patria potestas is the, the, the Latin word, but it means power of the father. He had the legal right at his own discretion to put a child out whenever he wanted to. You're out. Uh, he, he, could, he could sell a child into slavery. Or he could kill a child. All for reasons known only to him. He's the dad. He, he, he's the man. He's the God. He's, this is literally how they... they did things. So a child is born, a child's laid at the Roman father's feet. If the, if the father picked him up, you know, you know, circle of life, you know, picked him up, then child lives. If the dad looks and walks away from the child, listen, that child's picked up and disposed of. That child's picked up and taken by others to be raised to be sold later, right, as a slave or a prostitute. That, that's just, that's the way it worked. Can you imagine? I, I mean, I have a hard time imagining it, but it, it literally was that way. And so Paul, when he's talking about dads, how about this? He turns to dads, fathers. And by the way, some would say he's talking to both parents here. And there's a, there's a sense to which he is. But, but he uses, he uses patera, he uses father here. So I, I think the focus upon the dad and I would suggest that makes sense in light of what he's just said about headship and the responsibility of dad, all those things. But he turns to the father and he says, don't do things that provoke your children to anger. Now, a Roman dad would go, I don't understand what you just said, because that's not the way we live around here. You know, it's, he literally is saying at a level, he, he's saying to the dad, submit yourself to the child. Now, not submit as in the child's the authority and you're not that way, but I mean this. Look, you need to do, you need to live in such a way that is for the good of your kid. That's not how we do it. <laughs> See, that's not how they lived. Absolutely countercultural. You know, one thing we ought to pull out of this is to remind ourselves that as those who follow Christ, parents, let me say this. You know, if you're going to parent biblically, then you're going to be going against the grain of the culture. Let's just say it. Let's believe it. Let's embrace it. Let's stand on the word of God. Let's, when it comes, let's, let's keep moving. But it's going to be absolutely, you know, people are going to look at you like you're nuts. And by the way, and this is a whole nother can of worms, but I will say it at some level. It's not just you're going to go counter to the culture, but listen, you're actually going to be misunderstood by other Christians, Right? But you're going you're gonna to go by what you believe God's word is saying. Well, what does Paul mean when he says, don't provoke your children to anger? Uh, the present tense, it's written in present tense, so it's, it's, it's literally saying, to Dad, don't live your life where you behave in ways that incite anger in your kids. Okay, so it's ongoing. You know, don't, you know, it's, on, it's not just one thing. It's don't live your, don't behave. Dad, don't behave in ways that create anger in your kids. That's what he's saying. Well, if you think about it in our day, I mean, what, what, um, 
What creates anger in our kids? Now, here's the thing. It's, it's easy for me to go to a big list, but I'm going to keep us back in the context when we answer that. So hang on to that for a moment. Let's look at the contrast first, because he says, you know, but do not provoke your children anger, but, contrast, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up is one Greek word. It's the same Greek word translated in verse, chapter 5, verse 29, nourish. It's a good picture. But nourish your children. You know, that, that's feed, you know, Cherish, nourish them as you do your own body. That's what 529 says. So nourish your kids in the discipline instruction. Discipline instruction, quite synonymous. I mean, it carries the idea of, yes, teaching, instructing. It carries the idea, by the way, both of them nuanced, correct them. See, it's all involved in that. Instruction literally means put in the mind, put in the mind. So, So if we take both of those, we can say, it's what you think, it's dad's, you know, Teach, train, instruct, correct. It's verbal. You know, Dad, it's things you teach. It's putting in mind. It's doing. It's showing. It's all of that. It's all wrapped up in this command to dads. It says it's to be of the Lord. So it, that's a bit ambiguous. But what, what it seems to imply is that the things that you're putting in mind, the things that you're showing your child are all things related to what does it mean to be in Christ? It's all things related to godliness. See, that's, that's what we instruct to teach, correct, and guide our children in. So, the, the context, it seems to say that we actually, you got to track with me on this, we actually provoke anger in our kids when we fail to nourish them in the instruction of the discipline of the Lord. Let me, let me make, bring it you know, more practical, if I may. I said another way, Dad, when you're sitting in church, by the way, they were sitting in church when this was read, so the kids are sitting right there. When you're in church and you're nodding your head, that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says to do. That's what the Bible says. When you're sitting in church and you're, you're nodding your head, okay, and you go home and you live differently than what you were just nodding your head about, it makes your kids angry. Stay in the context. This is why I'm glad we teach this way because, I mean, we could go off on other things and they, I don't think they would be non-beneficial, but let's just stay with what Paul says here. He doesn't say much, but what he says matters and it matters how he said it. I mean, I do a lot of things to make my kids angry and I can give you tons of examples. I could pull up a text right now. I don't have to because it's in my mind that my son wrote me two weeks ago, and I quote, Dad, it makes me furious when you, and he described it. I mean, I can make him furious for sure, you know. But what is Paul, what is Paul pointing us to? What's the context tell us? That's what I want to do. Let's just sit, you know, when you study your Bible, where, where's this verse occurring? What has what he just... What has he just talked about for 13 verses just prior to, Dad, don't provoke your kid to anger? What, what, what's 22 to 23 about? It's about marriage. It's about marriage. Dad, love your wife as Christ loved the church. You know, the kids are watching. Uh, Dad, give up your life. For moms. 
hey, Dad, live in such a way that you help Mom become all she is in Christ. Dad, nourish Mom like you nourish your own body. This is the context. Dad, when you don't love mom to the moon and back, it makes me angry. This is the context. Step, step deeper back in the context, just because I think this whole section fits together. It's, I, think, I think it's this. Dad, when you're not filled with the Spirit, you do things. It make me angry. And you may say, Lloyd, I, I don't know. I, you may be reading too much into the, into the, to the text. Well, well, let me ask you a question. When you were growing up and your dad said one thing and he did another, did that make you angry? When your dad mistreated your mom, when your dad was absent or invisible, you know, did that make you angry? Either intentionally or unintentionally, I'm just telling you, you're a kid. Did it make you angry? It made me angry. Now, let me, let me, clar- let me clarify this. I, I couldn't as a kid name necessarily the anger. I'm going to tell you, it came out sideways, right? But let me tell you, as I, you know, this is reflection, but I, I do know this. It made me afraid it made me sad. It made me insecure. Most children don't know how to sit with and process sadness, insecurity, and fear. Don't know. I mean, we just not. not. And so, what? What? What happens? I, I want to suggest this. They get angry. Why anger? Because anger is one of those powerful emotions. And anger, you get angry, and at least when you're angry, you're pressing down the sadness. So I'm angry, I, I can move past the insecurity. It's still there, but do you see that? Michael mentioned this two weeks ago. I want to mention it again. You know, we can't talk about these things. I mean, I know I'm sitting here, and every dad in the room, myself included, can be like, boom, boom, you know, hit me again, you know, you're taking me down, you know. We we can't talk about marriage, family. We just can't without, for all of us at some level, triggering, right? Some hurt, some loss. I know I'm saying some things that can create, for, 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 I'll speak to the dads in the room, some level of shame. You know, I know, I know that even as I, I, I say these things, I'm not pointing a finger. I'm a dad. I'm in it with you. I tell you what I am trying to do. I'm just trying to say this is true. And the truth sets us free. The truth is what heals us. The truth is what gives, a, excuse me, gives us hope. The greatest truth we have, listen, is Jesus. What he did and who he is. By his person and work, listen, what does he do? 
He, in, he redeems us. He restores what's broken. That's, that's the work of Christ. And he's come and he's done it and provided that. And you and I can know, in spite of our mistakes, dads, I'm talking to you now, in spite of wherever you are, even now in a marriage, wherever, you know, Jesus, Jesus redeems. And he, and he instills the confidence somewhere in there, you know, in, that, that indeed, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Indeed, even this, where I'm at, he's, he can redeem that and use it and work it for our good right now. And... There is going, coming a future day, listen, when it will fully and finally all be set right and whole forever. All of this because we are in Christ. Wow. Let me be clear that fatherhood, parenting, it's not about perfection. Okay, everybody take a deep breath. You mean I don't have to do it perfect? No, because you can't. Have you ever thought about this? Two things, that grace requires imperfection. How about that? If there were no imperfection, there'd be no need for grace. See, see grace requires imperfection. So, so, again, dads, in our imperfections, that's, that's the place where we experience the grace of God. God, as we trust Christ. Have you ever thought about this too? Can anyone name me the perfect dad or perfect family in the Bible? Have have you ever noticed that every family is utterly whacked out? I mean, it's pathetic, but it's real, and it's us. And yet God, you see, takes that imperfect families, right, and redeems and uses them for his greater purposes. That's the hope I want us to walk out of here with. Dad, you're in the back of the boat. The kids are in the boat. Mom and kids, your instructions, can I say this? They matter. Dad, what you instruct and discipline and teach, it matters. It's what brings you through guide ejector and all the rest that want to take your family down. If I could leave you with one word, though, it would be this word from Paul. And I walked us through the context because I want to land here. He doesn't give a ton of do, how-tos and all that, right, on, on the Christian li- on parenting. The Bible doesn't, quite frankly. But here's what this, this text gives us. And this one I want to give to every dad. And by the way, this to every child as well. Be filled with the Spirit. That's the controlling command. Dad, children, you can't do this on your own. But the Spirit in you can. So what? Let's pause a moment. We've got the time. I'm going to give you uh, 60 seconds to sit for a moment and go, Lord, what, what, what did you just say to me? What did you just reveal of yourself? That invites a response from me. And what might that response be? Either write it down or note it in your head. But let's not walk out of here without that pause. So what?
Let's stand together. I'll read you a benediction from Paul's words to the Ephesians. It reaches backwards a bit to Ephesians 3. I think a wonderful reminder as we carry the weight, my goodness, the weight of the sobering weight of family marriage in these household codes. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, be filled with the Spirit. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. God bless.